Welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you are here. If you are a first-time guest, um, a Bible is kind of important to have in front of you, like literally in front of you. We will not project our scriptures on the screen today, and so you need to have a Bible in front of you. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the back, there's some on each of the lamps, or there's some under the chairs, so just raise your hand up and we'll get you a Bible. Um, We've been walking through the book of Luke. Uh, We are a a young church. We haven't been around for, for too long. I think we're about to hit our third year, which is pretty exciting. And uh, this whole last year, we've been going through the book of Luke. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 13. We actually made it to chapter 13 today. What do you think about that? Man, alive. We're almost halfway through Luke. This is incredible stuff, man. Hey, are you reading ahead? Are you reading behind? One of the things that we, that we really want to do at Church Project is we want to be able to just highlight Scripture. Uh, I I believe that God can speak to every single one of us. Uh, It doesn't have to be just on Sunday mornings. You know, you go on Monday and Tuesday mornings, open your Bible and read and and study and ask God what he's showing you. I believe that this scripture is powerful. And if you allow it, the Holy Spirit will teach you very cool things every time that you open a scripture. So I'm hoping that you're getting in God's word. I'm hoping that you're diving in and and you're just saying, God, show me who you are every single day. This is good stuff. Today we're going to shake it up. Come on, shake it up, loosen up. We're going to have a good time. We're going through Luke chapter 13, the verse, um, verses 1 through 9. We're only going to cover nine verses today. So let me go ahead and read those, and then, and then we'll get going and start talking about these. Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus the, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no, because unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Verse 6. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig fig tree growing in his vineyard. And when he went to look for fruit on it, but it did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I have been coming to look for, for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Verse 8, Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Wow. What do you think of these? How how many of you read these? You don't raise your hand, but did you read these? Did you think about these? I got a text this week, and the the text was like, man, have fun uh, talking about this. What does this mean, right? We read this, and on the surface, um, if you were just to grab Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, if you were just to grab it and say, here it is, I'm going to know it, I'm going to study it, it's going to affect my life, you'd be missing a big part of what's happening right here. Uh, You have to back it up. You got to back it up through the rest of Luke. You got to put it in its context and find out what's happening. So if, if you've been here, uh, you know that this is this is Jesus. He's talking. Um, he is he's growing angst. He's growing in anticipation because what he's doing is he's marching to Jerusalem. And as he's mar- marching to Jerusalem, why is he going to Jerusalem? Anyone? We're going to talk to die. 
He's going to Jerusalem to die on the cross. And, and his disciples have been following him for a while. He, they've been seeing miracles. They've been seeing all sorts of neat stuff happening. But now more people are joining him. More thousands of people are joining him. And, and Jesus, you could see from the Mount Transfiguration that happened a little while ago, he starts getting very direct. And he's like, this is it. This is it. This is it. Because he believes he has a story that involves everyone's life. And he's not beating around the bush. So here again, we, we land into chapter 13, and Jesus is talking. He's talking, there's some Jews and Gentiles. He's talking to his disciples right there, but there's other people. There's a lot of people that are right there. And in verse 1, this is where it picks up. It says, Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Okay, that first verse right there, I, one of the words that jumped out at me was the fourth word. And I don't know if it jumped out at you, but if I'm reading the Bible and I'm asking God to show me what this means for today, the fourth word jumped out at me. Now, there were some. What an insignificant word. I mean, it's just, what, what does that mean? Why, Aaron, why is this word some jumping out at you? If you're anything like me, there's, there's some people around me in my life as I've grown up that want to pull me away from the things that God has. And any of you, any of you have friends or people or relatives around you that want to pull you away from what God has? I mean, let's put ourselves back in the context of this story. Jesus is talking, and if you look at the verses just prior to this, Jesus is talking about eternal things. He's talking about, man, go, go because you're going before the judge and make sure that you get your life right because if not, you're going to be standing before the judge and he's going to say, I don't know who you are. Like Jesus is talking about eternal things. And then we get to verse 1 right here, just right after Jesus talked about that. And in verse 1 it says, now there were some present who decided to talk about these earthly things that they bring up. So imagine this. Jesus is talking about eternal things with, with weight and significance. And all of a sudden, these, these people walk up and they're like, great. But what about this? And then they talk. But what are they talking about? Look, look what they're talking about. Now, some of these people were present at that time who had told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. What does that mean? What, what, what does that mean? If you were just to jump in and grab this, you'd be so confused and go, what, what, what are you talking about? See, Pilate at this time, Pontius Pilate, was an unpleasant and unpopular governor from Judea. The Galileans were offering sacrifice in the temple of the Passover. They were in there offering these sacrifices. More likely, these Galileans were what, what is a group of people called the Zealots. The zealots believed, like they really believed, and they, and they would follow Jesus all, they were very zealot, okay, zealots, okay, they, they, they had a lot of passion, and so probably what's happening right here is this, this group of Galileans, these zealot people that loved God, were leading almost like a rebellion against Rome, so as they go and they're sacrificing in the temple, this Pontius Pilate sends in Roman soldiers to literally kill them while they're sacrificing in the temple. So the blood of the sacrifice that they were providing, now is their blood as Roman soldiers come in. And now this whole thing is a mixture of these, these people's blood and the sacrifice blood that was offered right there. So Pontius Pilate did this and these people bring this up in this story. They're like, what happened right here? God, what, what happened? And Jesus answers and, and, he, and he answers down and he keeps going through here. But why did, why did some jump out at me? 
Does some jump out at you? Like, I believe that there's people in our life that little by little can ruin our thinking. They can, they can ruin the way that we feel, the way that we think, the way that we respond. And it's, it doesn't happen all at once, usually. It's when, when God is doing something really, really cool and really significant in my life, and he's talking about eternal things, and there's people that can come along, and just some people, and they can begin to do this. And pull me, pull us away from the important things and pull us into the temporal things. Like this story. The big stuff that God's doing. And we can get pulled away from that. Do any of you feel stagnant? (laughs) Do any of you feel like there's portions of your life right now that are just stagnant? That that you're just kind of... Living, you're just kind of going through it. Can I read the definition for stagnant? I, th- I think this is a great definition. Here's, here's stagnant. Having no current or flow and often having an unpleasant smell as a consequence. Are there any parts of your life that just feel stagnant? Like you're going through the motions, but there's no real flow. And in fact, it's kind of starting to stink a little bit. I mean, it may not even be in the bad things. One of the things that, that um, has been going on in my life this week is I've been reading this. And, and I've been thinking about how oftentimes people can pull me away from the important things and the eternal things. And not only that, I can do that. Like I can get so stagnant in my life that it's just there's no flow. There's just, it's just kind of stink. It's just kind of getting boring. And, and so I'm thinking about this and processing this in my own life and I'm like I feel like I'm on that edge of I want to shake something up I want to do something a little different Any, anyone in here like this or are you, are you guys just rocking okay well if, if you're not rocking maybe you should think I don't know I'm thinking weird stuff. And so this week, I even, I even stopped listening to music for the most part. Started listening to some of these podcasts that get my thinking going a different way. And you know, I'm trying to just shake it up a little bit. Any, and, and we have this fancy word called quiet time in, in the Christian language, Christianese. What does quiet time mean? Spending time with God. Well, I've had, I've had some pretty steady quiet time recently. In the last couple months, I've been doing the same thing. But this week, I'm like, I got to shake it up a little bit. No, I got to change some things around and, and try to redo this again because I feel myself getting stagnant. I feel myself getting a little, not, not far away from God, but kind of. Are you tracking with me? Is there anyone tracking with me in any aspects of your life where you might be even doing the right thing, but it's just getting a little stagnant? I find myself here a lot. <laughs> and, I, and I think these people... As Jesus is up and he's telling these eternal things, they're not quite grasping the eternal message that's going on right here. But I think they're feeling a little stagnant. And I feel like they're going up to God and saying, God, what about this? And they really want to know the bigger answer, but they don't even know the right questions to ask. So they just at least approach him. Church, are we approaching God? Are we dead? Are we stagnant? Are we just walking day to day? Or do we at least, like, like these people, it's easy to look at them and go, you bad people, how'd you miss the eternal thing, you know? At least they're going to God, and at least they're asking him, and they're, they're seeking to see what God is doing. Church, are we doing the same thing in our life? If there's some aspect of your life right now that's not current and flowing and having an unpleasant smell, maybe that's the very thing you take before God. And say, God, listen, I understand that this, it's just, I don't know. I feel like there's something here. Take it before God. Ask him. Say, God, let me be a river. Let me be alive. Fill me with passion. Let me focus on the things that are important. 
Spiritual maturity, I've I've said this before, but just the definition of spiritual maturity is when our beliefs and our convictions override our emotions and our feelings. Let me say this again. Spiritual maturity is when our beliefs and our convictions override our emotions and our feelings. See, if you're an emotional, feely person, I kind of am sometimes. It's easy to make decisions just like this and just kind of try to change it up just for the sake of changing it up. Jesus, though, even in the definition of spiritual maturity, we need to be looking and keeping our eyes focused on Christ, knowing what's true, knowing what we believe, and knowing what our convictions are and sticking to those, but yet not getting stagnant in that. Pontius Pilate, not a good guy. And if you read church history or if you've read the Bible and study it, you, you see multiple points where Pontius Pilate is not a good guy. And here in this passage, we see that at the very first verse, there was Galileans that were, were killed as they were making sacrifices in the temple because of Pontius Pilate. These were zealots that were killed. By the way, just so you know, this is a cool little fact. Can I hit pause here for a cool little fact? Here's a cool little fact. You know when Jesus went before the trial and the people said, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. Remember that? Give us Barabbas. And, 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 and they let one go, Barabbas. Well, Barabbas was also a zealot. And a zealot was one that liked to kill Roman soldiers. And so in essence, they let someone go. The Roman soldiers let, uh, or the Romans let someone go that was killing Roman soldiers instead of an innocent man, Jesus. The zealots. That's a cool little side fact, by the way. <laughs> so we're looking at this passage and we get to verse 2 Jesus says do you think that those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way I tell you no and he says it right there in verse 3 I tell you no but unless you repent you too will all perish and then he gets to verse 4 and says, Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty than the, all the others living in Jerusalem? And in verse 5 he says, I tell you no, again. But, re, but unless you repent, you will all perish too. I think this is one central part of this whole passage right here. Is God giving us, here's a question. Is God giving back to people what they deserve? Is God giving back to people what they deserve? Like we hear of hurricanes. We hear of things like this. And it's oftentimes, even in Christian world, we can say, yeah, well, they deserve that. They're bad people. They just deserve that. Is, really, is, is God giving back to us people what we deserve? See, as we're looking at this passage, the people are going and saying, hey, Jesus, those Galileans, they, they probably died because they were bad people, huh? And Jesus goes, No. Is there anyone perfect, anyone that has no sin in their life? There's natural consequences. There's things that happen. A tower fell on these people and killed them. But is it because they had sin or didn't have sin? Absolutely not. See, Jesus says no one is perfect. Not one perfect. There's not one person that's perfect. We're all morally bankrupt. We, We all have sin in our life and we need Jesus in our life. Does anyone know Romans 3.23? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, Jesus says it's not, they didn't die because they had less sin than you. Which makes you feel good because now you, you feel better than them. They didn't die because of that. We all have sin in our life. 
And it's not that Jesus curses us with death because we have sin in our life. You know what it truly is? It's that he gives us life every single day because it's a gift to us. And as Christians, we look at that life. We thank God for that life. We thank God for that forgiveness because there's no one in here that's perfect. We've all sinned. And if sin was truly a case for us to die today, then I would probably be struck dead right now. See, what we have, this breath that we have right now, is a free gift. And we thank God because of that gift. Um, So this word repentance, what does this mean? I tell you in verse 3, but unless you repent. And in verse 5, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you all will perish. Well, the Greek word for repentance is um, metanol, which means to change one's mind and purpose and thus adopt a new direction in life. So as we are living life on our own and we're walking through life on our own, we're we're confronted with truth and love and perfectness and Jesus is giving it to us. And to repent means to look at that and say, that's the better way to go. And I have not lived like that. And I want to live like that. So God, please forgive me of the path that I've chose to live. And I want to follow you. And not only that, I want to adopt that as my life and as my pattern. Has there come a point in your life when when you've had to repent from things that you've done wrong in your life? I have. I continually have to do this. Do we live in humble repentance or do we live like we've got it all figured out? Do we live like we're depending on God or do we live like we've got it all figured out and we're good enough? We're just proud enough to do this. Okay. So there's the first half of this, this uh, passage. Are you guys tracking with me on this? It's kind of a hard one. This first half is, is kind of hard. And th- then we get into almost a second part uh, message. So that was the first part. Pretty good. We need some popcorn for intermission right here. We get into the second part. I like the second part, by the way. Verse 6. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. And I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Church, I don't know how much you've looked at these verses. If you want to shake up your quiet time tomorrow, your time with God, grab these verses and sit with these verses. These are pretty incredible verses. These are full of such love for you and I. That as hopefully as I begin to unpack a little bit of this, the Spirit will be teaching you and you'll be getting different thoughts and you'll be writing side notes and you'll be getting hungry to know more about these verses right here. And you'll leave just ready to skip lunch to figure out more about these and you'll pick up commentaries and you'll pray on these. These are incredible verses for us, church. And starting in verse 6 especially. See, what's happening right here? The fig tree was, was a common symbol that was used um, to talk about the nation of Israel at this time. 
Jesus used the fig tree as a common symbol to talk about the nation of Israel. In verse 1 through 5, the, the first half of the message before our popcorn break, the first, the first part right there, 1 through 5, is geared towards the individual, and, and it's challenging the individual. It's like this right here, okay? Then we get to verse 6 through 9, and what this is, is this is the national warning. This is for the nation of Israel. This is a national warning. They're saying um, some actions of individuals that are happening right now as Jesus was teaching is affecting the, the whole action of the nation of Israel and the people of the church at large. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem in a very real, real way. What is he, is he doing? He's saying, guys, warning, warning, warning. You're not believing. You're not repenting. You're not hearing this love message. Warning, warning. Like literally for your life, warning. And if we know, if you know church history in 70 AD, the the temple of Jerusalem is destroyed by Rome. Jesus is coming through this town at the last time. This may be the last time he's in this city and he's looking at these people and he's saying, verses 1 through 5, repent, repent, you as an individual, repent, know who I am. There's sin in your life and you got to repent. And then he gets to verses 6 through 9 and he says, and if you're not repenting even as an individual, what's going to happen to the nation of Israel? What's going to happen to Jerusalem? It's going to start getting destroyed people he's slapping people in the face and he's saying wake up I am here I am love and I love you each of you individually and if you would get the concept that I am love and you would repent each of you your people would be saved and it's a warning but it's a promise Jesus is looking at at some people and he's saying, you're not getting it. Like, you're just not getting it. Some of these people are Jewish leadership, and some are from Rome. And he's looking, he's saying, you're not getting it. And he gets into this parable. He's talking about an owner of a garden, and the owner is God. And he talks about the caretaker in this garden, who's, who's going around. The caretaker is Jesus. And as I was studying this and reading this, there's a a guy who wrote a commentary, Kent Hughes. I don't know if you've read any of Kent Hughes' commentary, but can I write what he says? Or can I read what he says? Because I I couldn't say it any better. So I gave him his credit, so I'm not plagiarizing, okay? Are we good? All right. This is what he says about the owner, God, and the caretaker, Jesus, and the parable of this fig tree in the garden. It says, they are in concert. I love that. God and Jesus, the owner and the caretaker, they are in concert, but without interrupting their harmony. The owner argues from logic of righteousness. God argues from the logic of righteousness, while the caretaker, Jesus, reasons from the logic of mercy. I'm going to read this again, thinking of the caretaker, Jesus, the owner, God, They are in concert, but without interrupting their harmony. The owner argues from logic of righteousness, while the caretaker reasons from the logic of mercy. What does this mean for us? There's not one of us that's righteous. Not one of us that can stand before God. God is perfect, sinless. And he's looking down, he's looking at us, and he's saying, that fig tree... Has not produced anything. Cut it down. 
It's wasting the soil. It's wasting, wasting the nutrients. Cut it down. And Jesus comes in in love, in harmony, in concert, in, in, in love with God and in love with us and begins to speak on our behalf. We are the fig tree. He begins to speak on our behalf and he begins to go before God and say, God, let me work with them. Let me show them my love. Let me begin to mold them and teach them what love is and and who you are. Let me begin to do this because in essence, we have God in us when we ask Jesus into our heart. And we have Jesus that's continually presenting us before God saying, here they are. Because I died on the cross and and the blood that I covered their sins. Here they are. And he begins to do this. And he begins to dig at us and free us. And he begins to pound on us. and And in our ups and in our downs and in our lives, Jesus is there working. And he's saying, just a little more time. Let me work for them. Because I believe that if they get sucked into this gospel, their lives will begin to be infected with Galatians 5. 22 and 23. What's Galatians 5, 22 and 23? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. With Jesus' help, we can live a life like that. With Jesus' help, as he fertilizes us, as he begins to take over our thoughts, in our actions, as we begin to focus on Jesus, our fruitless fig tree begins to grow. But without Jesus, it's impossible to have long-standing fruit in our life. I want to ask a, a basic question right now. Do you know who Jesus is in your life? It's impossible to love unless we have the love of Jesus in us. It's impossible to go through the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 and let it change our life. We, we just can't do it. So I ask us a question today. Do you know who God is? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip a bunch. Is that okay? Talk about awkward. When was the last time you sat in church and the pastor looked at his notes for more than five seconds, huh? Yeah, um, something, something happens usually when I speak. I've got, I have notes up here, and they're kind of cool. It makes sense to me. If you looked at them, they'd make no sense, but they make sense to me. And, I, and I've kind of, I've, I've gone through them the first half and kind of stumbled through it a little bit. Got to the second half here, and, and I don't feel like I'm, I'm presenting what, uh, what joy is in this passage properly. I, I feel like I'm missing it a little bit here. Um, as a communicator, you can see when people are tracking. <laughs> Um, this to me is what six through nine means. I've tried to live life on my own. Period. And it just doesn't work. I mean, you can have the best education. 
You can have the most money. You can have everything going for you. The most talented people in the world. Obviously, good looks doesn't get you everywhere. So, <laughs> You agree, don't you? Life on your own is, is just going to be empty and it's going to be fruitless. You might grow. You might get old. You might be a tree. But you're going to be a fruitless tree. You're going to miss God today. You're going to miss God tomorrow. You're going to miss the joy of God living today in you. And in reality, you're going to miss God when you die. He's going to say, I don't know who you are. Church, let this wake you up. Let this wake you up. I'm praying that this wakes me up. I don't want to be a pastor of a church that's stagnant. And I don't want us to be a church that's stagnant. I want us to be madly in love with God. I want us to look each other in the eye and spur each other on to love and good deeds. I want us to admit when we do wrong. I want us to look at each other and call out greatness in each other because God is in us. Like we can encourage each other. And if we encourage each other, we lock eyes with each other. And when we lock eyes with each other, we see God doing some incredible things in each other's lives and it encourages us. And we get to go into Greeley, a place of a bunch of trees that have no fruit. And we get to begin to work the soil of people's lives. We get to speak greatness into people. See, Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's doing a good job of a lot of people in Greeley. See, but we have this fertilizer called Jesus. It's not our talents. It's not who we are. It's Jesus. Are we working people's lives? Are we introducing them to Jesus? Are we letting the fruits of our trees growing in Jesus show? That's what I want to pray for us. I want to pass this this piece of paper out. And I know as soon as I do, all of you will stop listening. So I'm pretty much done speaking. We're going here, church. Uh, If you're on the email list, I sent this out this morning to you. If you're not on the email list, fill out one of those cards and put in the offering basket thing over there, tissue basket thing. And I'll make sure you get on the email list. But we're going here. Classifications of spiritual gifts. If we as the church are operating in our spiritual gifts and what God has designed us to do, this is a beautiful place. Like the, the best thing that I can do for this place, church project, I'm, I'm just not that talented. The best thing I can do is get up and, and try to communicate God's word. That's, that's what I can offer. And so I want to do it the best that I can. But there's so many people in this room that have so many talents. And if we are operating together in this talents that we have, each individually, this is a place that's on fire. Because it's not built on Jeremy. It's not built on me. It's not built on any of us, but it's built on who Jesus is and us. And together as a church, we get to march forward in this. I've been hinting at spiritual gifts for a while now. We're going to start going into this intently. Um, this is one of the things that my grandpa right here is going to be able to help us with. He's been a pastor for I don't know how many years started. I don't know how many churches, but he's going to help us through this. 
We're going to have classes on this. We're going to start talking about this. uh, Because it's time, church. It's time for us to start moving forward as a church. It's time for us to operate in our spiritual gifts. Because we talk here about a tree. We talk here about a tree that has no fruit. And one of the greatest, I think, disadvantages that church has done in in America especially has said, hey, come to church on Sunday morning and we'll feed you everything that you need to know. What are we doing? We're producing trees with no fruit. Church, we won't be a part of that. Not here. We won't do that. Like we are the church. And each and every one of us alive is making a difference in Greeley. And we're alive. That's what's cool about this. We're alive. And we get to make a difference. Spiritual gifts real quick. Just to whet your appetite a little bit more. Um, There's nothing to sign up for yet. I haven't told you when the class is. But spiritual gifts. Everyone has at least one spiritual gift. They're used to mutual, for mutual edification, to build each other up. And each of us are given this gift by the Holy Spirit. Um, here's just a list that you can begin to read through. But I want you to begin to get a wet appetite. Because as a church, we're going into this. And we're going into this hard. I believe this is where God has us. And it's going to be an incredible thing to know how we operate in the body of Christ. Like how you operate. How you are an important part of this body of Christ. Like as if we removed you, this place would almost crumble. Like that's how much we need each and every one of us to be alive in who God is in us. So the, the, the heart of this message, the, especially the end part of this message for me, the part that got me just silent before God, was saying, God, I want to repent for anything that I've done wrong. In my life. Please show me what I've done wrong. Please forgive me. Like highlight that to me. So I can see the truth. And I can turn away from that old self. And I can keep running towards you. God please forgive me. And then in the same breath. Because Jesus loves me so much. We get to verses 6 through 9. And it's just a cool promise. That Jesus is always fighting on our behalf. He's not saying live life on your own. He's saying, I'm working the ground. I'm fertilizing you. Just keep your eye focused on on Jesus. And your tree will produce fruit. This is a beautiful message, and I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to ask Jeremy to come up and lead us in some some worship. This is the point that I I pray for the most in, in all of our time together on, on Sunday morning and because I know this I do know this my words will fail like this morning they may have failed there's a spirit the Holy Spirit and that's what I pray for the most on Sunday mornings is that regardless of what words are uttered in this place that the Holy Spirit will penetrate each and every one of our hearts and our minds because I'm human so I believe in this place right now, if, if you will, if you'll open your heart, you'll open your mind, God will speak to you right now. He will encourage you and he will show you exactly what this message, what this passage is, who he is. So I want to ask us right now, if you would, just close your eyes. If you're comfortable with it, just hold out your hands with your palms up and say, God, I receive anything that you want to show me right now. Like, God... Please quiet me.
quiet in yourself, just say, God, ask him, is there anything in my life that I need to repent of? God, show me if I'm living aspects of my life or even my life at large apart from you. In church, as he shows us things, just physically picture putting those things in your hands and offering them back up to God, saying, God, I'm done with this. God, I'm sorry. I do repent of this. I ask forgiveness of this. Just put those in your hands and hand them to God right now. Say, God, please take those. I can't live with these. I want to be more like you. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's comfort, selfishness, addictions. Who knows what it is? Ask God, search my heart. Show me if there's anything that I need to repent of. Ask him to take that right now. Some of us, and maybe we've grown up in church. Like we've been in this scenario for a long, long time. But just as the parable of the gardener, the caretaker comes up to us and there's just no fruit. Like we've gotten numb somewhere. We've gotten stagnant. We've just walked through these motions. Why have we done that? I mean, we're still in the garden. Jesus still loves us, but we're just there. Maybe some of us this morning, we need to reach down deep. And we need to say, God, please drum up a passion for you, a love for you. Please drum up something in me. Stir something in me. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to just exist. God, I want a life full of fruit. I want to show the world around me your love. If that's you, just ask God, say, God, please bring me alive. Fertilize me. Work the ground around me. Shake off the worldly stuff. Let me focus on who you are. Some of us, we can go all the way back to the first part of this and just say, yeah, I've listened to some of the people in the crowd. They're pulling me away from God and the eternal things. God, please bring me back on focus to who you are. Church, what's God showing you right now? Can we just spend some time talking to him, just you? If you're here and you don't know who God is, we'd love to talk more. 
Jared's up here right now, he'd love to talk with you. Church, what is God showing you right now? What's he beating in you? What's he stirring? Just spend some moment talking to God. Say, God, thank you for my life. Thank you for repentance. Thank you for love, forgiveness. Thank you for passion. Thank you for the fruits of the spirit. Thank you and just keep going. Thank you, God. Church, I want to ask us if you would just stand. Let's just continue to, to worship God in this place. For some of us, that's going to mean praying with someone. For some of us, that's going to mean coming up and praying with Jared or talking with Jared. For some of us, it's just going to be sitting here quietly, standing here, just focusing on who God is. For some of us, it's it's worshiping with the words up here, just saying, God, you're perfect and you're holy, and sing and lift your hands to him. Some of us, it's, it's writing down prayer requests or whatever and putting it in the offering basket. This is the moment right here that you get to respond to God. And I pray that you do it. Do it focusing on God and saying, God, thank you for who you are and who you've created me to be. God, thank you for our time together, and I pray that we can continue worshiping you. In your name we pray. Amen.